0: Welcome to A Turn of Events, a podcast where we help put a positive spin on the future of your wedding and event planning business. I'm Annette Naife, the CEO and Creative Director of Naife Productions, a strategic event production company based in New York City, specializing in corporate, social, nonprofit, and weddings. I'm also the creator of Event Planning Academy, where I help wedding and event planners launch, build, and grow a successful wedding and event business. Welcome to A Turn of Events, where we put a positive spin on the future of your business. I'm Annette Naif, the CEO and Creative Director of Naif Productions. We are a strategic event production company, and we specialize in corporate, social, nonprofit, and weddings. If you are looking to do an event, reach out. Happy to help you. If you are a wedding or a vet planner and you are looking to start your own business or you are struggling in your current business, join us over at the Event Planner Society Facebook group. Lots of great things going on over there. Lots of great lessons and advice and all kinds of stuff, collaboration. We'd love to see you at Event, planning, event Planner Society. That's where it's at, <laughs> the Facebook group. So join us there. Okay, so my next guest who I'm very excited about Is Darnell Brown? Uh, We're going to talk about why radical candor is the key to unlocking your creative potential. Darnell is a a a fractional growth strategist and designer who helps creative and non-creative entrepreneurs power up and impact lives through his courses, frameworks, and community. Some of his clients include Band Aid, J and J, and Passport Parking. Darnell, I'm super excited to talk to you.
1: Yeah, good afternoon to you. Thank you to those watching live and the replay. I appreciate the warm intro and for also, uh, yeah, like you, just as a, as a person and what you bring in your light and your energy. Uh, I I think I'm going to vibe with that very well during this, our time together. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. I got a lot of energy, that's for sure. You have to, to do what I do for a living, that is for sure. So why don't you tell us um, a little bit about yourself, what you do, how you got into that. um, And also, we're going to talk about radical candor and just what does that mean and what's that all about? And then we'll get into our flow here.
1: Yeah, so I I help creative and non-creative entrepreneurs power up and impact lives. And I do that in a myriad of ways. I work with non-creative entrepreneurs through one lens, a lot of done for you, done with you, strategic work, things related to branding, marketing. And then with creative entrepreneurs, I feel like those are my brothers and sisters, people I know pretty well at this point. And trying to cultivate safe spaces for us to talk about the things that we're going through, our challenges, our failures, our successes, and also to, to challenge one another. And to be kind of like an ecosystem or like of when you think of forestation, for instance, of just okay, if this tree ain't got energy, like we're all going to flow and, and give life to that for a little while and then we might need that ourselves sometimes. And so I, I feel like I had to work with them in a different way and create what I myself need. So it's a very personal kind of journey and evolution there. And it's different from my done for you, done with you work, right? Creative entrepreneurs wouldn't necessarily need what I have to offer in that same those same ways
0: right
1: uh, so yeah that's that's what I do now and that journey has been fun I've been self-employed for about the last 15 and a half years so it got started right around the time that the recession we had happened here the in the half, states half,
0: right we cannot you gotta get the
1: half yeah yeah you gotta you gotta be proud of that time that has passed exactly. so it's a long it's time hard
0: work I know I know yeah. that's so good. Well, awesome. So um, ups and downs, obviously, being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. as you know, I've talked about that many, many times. I mean, many of my friends and family who know me and, and colleagues who've been knowing me for all these years, 14 years now, 14 and a half, probably these mm-hmm. these years of owning my business. And oh boy, what a roller coaster. But, um, you know, you'll learn. It, it's I, I want to say. I wouldn't change it, but I would like to. There's some things I don't want to remember and, you know, some of that uh, stuff. But, you know, it's not always high. There are the lows. So why yeah. don't we talk about what's the a recent low moment you went through and how did you overcome it?
1: I think. Well, so everything you said is right. You and I both noticed about these ups and downs. And I think one of the ones that stick out the most that was most recent was just. A client that I was working with for a while now, several years, our journey had ended together, and we knew that that was going to happen at some point. But I made the mistake, Annette, of of her. What I was being paid from her was was too much of my income. It was around seventy five percent of what I was mm-hmm. making for for a quite a period of time, and I knew better than that. I knew that I shouldn't have put myself in that position. I guess I got a little bit comfortable perhaps. Yep. Um, and just kind of tunnel vision on working with her. And so that thing kind of slowly fizzled off. And again, I, that journey ended together and we'll be on a new path in a different way. But that was a huge, like that was hard just from, I think the the monetary standpoint right. um, of what that does for, and all of the snowball effects that happen because of that. And so like, I felt like a lot of the things that I had built during that time kind of had to come crumbling down again. And then I felt like I was almost back where I started like early on in the entrepreneurial yeah. years, like, like kind of the same thing. And so you feel like that's a, it could be a cyclical thing. And then I realized in that, that that's probably on me in terms of certain money beliefs and stories I have around that. Sure. And I was talking to, I was talking with people the other day, just saying that, you know, I'm, I'm a huge attractor for it. And I know that I provide value. I know how to get it and get out here and do what I need to do. But I figure that there are complexities and kind of, yeah, again, just tr- trauma around there that I didn't realize that I had. And that's really the foundational issue. Because if I, if I did have what I needed to do, just I think mentally and that self-work done with OK, how how to use what you're earning, your active income, and then right. have it be working for you passively and be yeah. as obsessed and passionate about that as I am about entrepreneurship. Then I felt like I wouldn't have went through that. And right. so, yeah, it's hard, man, because you feel like you're back where you started in a certain degree, even though, you know, you've you've evolved so much. And so the cyclical nature, the irony of both sides of that, of saying, well, I've evolved over the last 15 years but I'm still making some of the same mistakes as I did 15 years ago. And so clearly you need, not only need help there, but as you age, just recognizing that, man, it's okay to ask for that support. There are smarter people at you that only focus on those things that you're not good at. And so being comfortable with reaching out, with sharing that story and going through, I think the trauma around that and trauma, it can be like, I mean that in little T because this can be subtle things that you don't even recognize, not things that, were uh just like specific moments about your own money story but the way that you the energy around it and the things that you like you've probably heard this before from some that's people not- <laughs> I would imagine and that right
0: yeah yeah for sure I mean it is a scary thing when you get to a position where you know you've had the same clients and you never want to put yourself in a position where you have one client that's Pretty much like ha- what happened to mm-hmm. you is most of your income was coming from that client. So yeah. that is a scary position to be in. Um, I, I have had that where I've had, you know, consistent clients and we were, you know, getting same event we were doing there are a couple events a year or three events a year. And I'd have a contract for that. And then all of a sudden something happens in their life and they change, you know, they change their, 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 they're not doing events anymore. Like maybe there's a death in the family or something happens and they change the whole structure of their business and you're affected by that. So Mm -hmm. I think the key is, 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 you know, is to making sure that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, as they say. And, you know, um, you know, I do events, obviously I have multiple events a year, but mm. at some point in my life, when I'm an old lady and I just can't, you know, manage these events anymore. And I'm like, okay, enough is enough. Cause you know, 30 years of doing this is a long time. Um, I'm going to want to do something, you know, like I'm, I'm building a course right now, right. To teach and how to do that. Right. You, you and I met through this, 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 this uh, mm-hmm. program that we're in and um, which is awesome. And so having that extra stream of income coming in is, is really, and I've learned other ways of making money in the industry not just through my fee for being an event planner right my event planning fee there are other ways that you can make money which i teach so um that, that's what you, that's the key is if i had not learned about all those different ways that i can make money not just through my fee in the mm-hmm. industry i've i would have left hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. on the table so mm. those are the things that you really need to look at so I guess the key is how did you overcome that? What did you what did you do? I mean, you've obviously
1: yeah.
0: addressed not having just one client, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, cuz I've I've always had multiple ones that, that I've worked with over the last 15 years. And so I think part of what I've done, I think that that's still an evolving thing that I'm kind of working on, like I'm about yeah. to be working with with someone that I would dub as like a money therapist pretty much. And I do think that there's therapeutic work to be done. Because the logical side is a lot of what you just said. I feel like, and I have diversified my income, passive. I have multiple streams, but I, I apparently still didn't do what I needed to do on the, on the active side of things and set myself up for more success. Once that once I knew that that relationship was ending, I also, Annette, like I was upfront with my with my email list about that. I shared kind of what I just did with you in that list and just kind of. I think talking about it and, you know, it's hard to sometimes make things real and kind of get it outside your own head. But when you yeah. are trying to tell a story and talk about the things that you learn from it and challenge yourself and make a commitment to people who are reading your list, it makes you show up a little bit differently. So that was also new for me. And that felt good. That felt uh, like <laughs> vulnerability. That felt like radical candor, like kind of the topic that we was getting around to. Yeah. Here. and And I was just like, well, this is what that means. Yeah. And when you can do it when it's inconvenient like that, like when when the times are difficult, when it's a topic that you'd, you'd rather not talk about that much, but to do it on your own merit and just show up for them proactively in that way and just to walk the talk, that like made me feel amazing. Uh, and, and it resonated with people. Like I heard back from them and I figured that it might, but the, to toe that line of saying, well, how do we share those pieces of yourself when you're looked at as like the de facto leader or the de facto authority in a topic? And so right. they're looking at you for solutions, but you also want to talk about your own stories and say, well, what did I do to kind of work through that? I think on a meta level, it was, ta- it was writing about it, like talking through it with people, but then also stepping outside of myself and saying, you know what, Darnell, like it's finally time, age 39, it's time to really get, get this thing uh, sewn up that clearly has been with you ever since your childhood that you just got work to do. And yeah. I think that when when you see people who have therapists or even financial advisors or lawyers or coaches, like we all have people in our corners to help us out through things. And I would say that that would be my Achilles heel one. And so yeah. it's, it's more than even just the logical side of it. It's just complexities around it. I was thinking about that recently about just like self-worth, that's a, a huge part of it too. There are things I do on the weekends that I don't do during the week because I'm like, I need to earn like the right to froth my 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 milk and my coffee, for instance. (laughs) And so I'm just like, why, why? But people think I'm like ultra confident. But I I still clearly got little things like that going on that you got to work through. So we
0: all do. And that's such a good point is I you you really. Should not be afraid because we're all at different stages. So when I'm coaching my students, I'm in the trenches just like them. I'm building a business. You have the business doesn't get built and then it just, it's okay. It keeps going by itself. It doesn't happen like that. So you have to keep it going and, and keep you know, keep doing what you were doing when you first started. Now, at some levels, you're going to be in your business and there's going to be different problems. Like as the business grows, I now am in a situation where I'm growing and I need management, right? So I need like somebody to manage all of my marketing team. And I need someone to kind of manage the events so that I can step away and I can focus on the things that I love to do right now, and so I still want to keep the business, but I need that management piece to help me. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, so I have a coach. I have ha- always had a coach. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a coach. I have a nutritional coach. I have my, I don't wow. have the finance coach, but I probably should bring that in. But uh, <laughs> but my my beautiful guy is Wall Street uh, 30 years. So he kind of helps me with all of that. So I really kind of go to him on that. But um so I you I think it's so important to reach out when you need help. And so that's yes. what I did. I was like, "Listen, I'm at a point right now where I'm overwhelmed. I have too many people. I have a lot of team members. And I feel like I probably have too many, which I do. So I'm kind of like, kind of going to fix that, (laughs) Um, you know? And so you can, you can have just too much going on and not know how to manage that piece of it. So along the way, your business is going to evolve and things are going to change. And you might change the coach you have, right? Because you Mm -hmm. may evolve from that coach as well. So, and I've had probably four or five all fantastic, love them all so much and I got so much out of them but at some stages I need different things in my business so I think that that's um super important so I'm I'm very proud of you for like recognizing that and keeping and you know keeping it going so that's so exciting so speaking yeah. of that so what is your biggest superpower both professionally and personally
1: yes yeah, so i would say personally it might be i think Curiosity. I think curiosity and a determination to satisfy that curiosity. That's awesome. I think varied varied interest as well too. Like I'm I like I like several things that things that you wouldn't think go together or make sense, or just certain habits and routines. But I just think at the core, that superpower personally is going to be curiosity, curiosity in people, curiosity in stories, curiosity in learning new things about myself like by going through a crucible perhaps or because it, it it forces you to to learn out learn things about yourself when you go through new situations I, I, figure, I figure and you can you know your fight or flight response that sort of thing right I would say probably professionally one thing that I've been hearing has been discipline I would say even though I don't I, I, I don't think that that's mine, but that's what I, that's one of the things I hear. And the other big one in that would be energy. That's the big word that people, when people are commenting on, like when I publish videos or, or content around it, or they see me in a video, they're, they're like, man, I love your energy and stuff. And so that, that made me think, oh, I was like, wow, that's, that's a term that keeps coming up. Yeah. And, and I think that that just means, I guess, a a certain presence about you, a certain aura. Maybe that's what it is. But usually, you know, that's easy to project when you can be in front of someone and they can see you face to face. Harder to do when you are limited to just text, perhaps, or limited to just audio. And so I've been thinking about that a lot, even in the group that you and I are both in, of saying, well, how how do you lean into that if that's something that is already working for you and it's who you naturally are anyway? And how do you kind of capitalize on that a little bit and so i did and i started doing that and i started getting more comfortable on video and i'm like well you know if the people want this and this is what works like let's do it because it feels good it feels authentic it's it's who i really am so i'm not putting on the show really anything uh so yeah those would be the uh the two both personally and professionally
0: I love it. I think we're made from the same mold.
1: <laughs> okay. Ah, interesting. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. I love
0: that. I get, this, I get the same thing. I am definitely disciplined. I get, you know, even with my diet. And I mean, you know, I might go off on occasion, but for the most part, I'm pretty good at like, if I set my mind to something, I stick with it. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that's not easy for, it's not easy for everybody. I'm just like, well, if you want to do it, then just do it. If you don't, Mm -hmm. if you want to eat healthy, then eat healthy, but it doesn't work like that for everybody. So, um, yeah. So what's something people would be surprised to learn about you that they might not, uh, might not be evident if they look you up online?
1: Well, similar to what you just said about about like nutrition, yeah. Well, I think one thing might not be clear to people is like I'm a pescatarian, and so for the people that don't know what that is, that's basically vegetarian plus seafood. Yeah. I like to think of it like vegetarian during the week, and then like pescatarian a little bit on the weekends. And I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge foodie as well too. Like that's probably another thing that maybe people don't know. Huge film buff, like super super geeky nerd like level. Uh, I don't know I don't know how much that comes across cuz I I don't talk about that stuff that much. I'm always yeah. trying to like provide value and stuff for people and um trying to leave them better than where you came off, but there is value in entertainment for sure. sure. I just try not to go down the rabbit hole cuz it's hard to it's hard to come out. Yeah. Uh, and so cuz you you got your niche interest in things. So that that would be one of them like pescatarian probably uh yeah like, I, I adore mm-hmm. mushrooms as well. That might not, not the kind, not the, uh, <laughs> medicinal not the ones. That, like not, the food ones, not the, what are the other ones called? Hallucinogen ones. Hallucinogen. Like, not, I'm not referring to those. I've, I have not ever tried those. I'm talking about the ones that you put in, in, in you know, actual portobellos yeah. and things.
0: That's so <laughs> cute. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so, when did you realize you were a fractional growth strategist? Uh,
1: a couple, a couple months ago i was on a i was on a networking call with a re, with a new peer we were just talking getting to know each other on like a half an hour chat this might have been yeah like over the summer so yeah about 2 months ago and i i had asked him about that term because i saw it on his like linkedin bio and i was like trying to get some clarity around it cuz i've seen that start going around a lot and the way he explained it what i interpreted it as was exactly what i have been doing for a while Which is, I think fractional is this idea of a consultant meets the person that can actually implement the things that you're consulting on. So if you're a consultant and all you do is, you know, I'm working with you and that, and I tell you everything that you should be doing, I do the audit on your website and I tell you, here are all the areas that you can fix your landing page or something, for instance. Okay, now go off and do that. That's what a consultant would do. What makes you fractional is, OK, here's here's everything. Here's the whole audit. Here's all the things that I think should change. And also in that I will I will be the one to go to implement everything that I've recommended. So you don't got to worry about that anymore. Either I personally do it or I hire out the people that are going to do that. And when we finish with that landing page, I go off and do something else. And you may hire like an in-house marketer to stay with you full time. Mm-hmm. That was the way that I understood that he explained fractional to me is consultant meets implementation. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I've been doing that for a minute. Um, I oh, put shit. together guidelines for people and usually <laughs> if you're doing, if you're done with you and done for you, like you're combining that element and a lot of people want it, they say, well, you know, geez, and that like, I appreciate you giving me this rundown. This really makes a lot of sense. Like I can't do all of this stuff myself. Do you have any recommendations? And it's what you say there that determines whether or not you remain in the consultant lane or you become a fractional at that point. So you're still on the outside of all of the companies that you work with, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's what I love doing. And I I assume for you also working in the event planning space, your clients are always changing and the events are always different. There's always a new challenge there. Yes. And so... You might be fractional low key and not even know it. Like if you if you're like if they come to you and that I have this vision for an event and I, I, you know, here's the canvas for it, but it's still blank. And I need you to come in and just color it up and do what you think we should do. And you got your team that hands out like you might partner up. You might have your own referral network. You might be fractional and not know it like I did. And so I was like, I'm going to play around with starting to use that a little bit. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I look at it as as strategy, like we are a strategic event company. So like we help with the strategy around events and, and things like that, because it's not just, you know, we, aside from doing a wedding, there's not really a strategy for that, but there could be, but but we're talking like, you know, nonprofit and corporate and things like that. So, you know, we, we don't just, we're not just going to, put you know, linens on a table. That's not what we're really about. Um, and and as you said, I do have a team and I have a lot of people who help me. I cannot do any of this. I mean, when we go to an event, I'm always so shocked. There's like a hundred people that come and help with you know all the vendors and the venue. And it's so amazing to look and see everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing after a whole year of planning. So it, I always get excited when that happens. So it, it takes a village to do it. I don't do it.
1: Yeah, all. Right. All right. Yeah.
0: So How are you up leveling your own skills as a professional these days?
1: Mm, Really going back, Annette, to talking about like that curiosity of saying, well, what? If I'm going to evolve, if I'm going to grow, if I don't want to remain stagnant and complacent and comfortable, you have to do things that make you uncomfortable. You have to get comfy with the uncomfortable. Totally.
0: Totally. And so for
1: me, that 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 meant more candor, more vulnerability. Hyper transparency, being proactive of being about transparent and that not just when they call you out on it, not just when it's convenient to, you know, you got your highlight reel that you talk about after you have overcome the battle that you're going through. That's when we usually feel comfortable talking about the difficult thing. But what about when you're in it? Right. And what about when. You're, you're an authority on a topic, but you still have these human sides to you and things that you're still weak at and that you're working from. And you're looking, that to your own community, your own subscribers, your own followers for guidance sometimes. And how that can look and feel, but not, like you said, not being even afraid to ask for that help in that way. So I'm challenging myself by talking about the things I'm not, I'm, um, I am ashamed of. I'm challenging myself by getting money therapy, money-related therapy. I'm challenging myself by crafting this community, which feels a lot like uh, building the plane as you fly it. And and for me, it mean it also means that building this plane, whether it is you got duct tape on the windows and you patching up holes and stuff in it, but yet this thing is still flying somehow. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Right. It's scary. You could lose it all. You could like lose a lot of trust, or or um or just I think like things that you've earned up until that point, like you could completely fumble this. But to recognize that anyway, so you know, I'm still gonna charge ahead. I I have to create what doesn't exist for me. And this has to become a very personal. I think we, when it's personal, when it's intimate and we tap into something deep within ourselves and we say, well, I'm gonna write this book because it's the book that I needed a year ago. Or I'm gonna write this book because it's what I need right now. And I and I would need to read these for somebody else that's in these shoes so it's deeply personal to you. And so there is a huge passion for it. And that passion helps sustain things when those times are uncomfortable or when you're dealing, you're in a season of lack versus abundance. You're still able to tap into something bigger than yourself and say, well, this was a personal thing that I started first, but it's universally appealing at the same time and the paradox of that, and this matters to other people. And now I know that, and now I definitely have to show up differently. So those are some ways and I'm challenging myself if that makes sense.
0: I love that so much. I love that so much. And it's the same with me, you know, There have been some tough times where I thought I have to, I might have to close the business. I thought, oh my God, Mm. years ago. Mm. And I, I, you know, had some workers comp issues that came along that was not right, but they don't care if it's right or wrong. It's their way and it's only their way. And and it co- It was, you know, I got it was a bad situation, but I got out of it and I worked my way out of it and it cost me some money. I had to get a lawyer and it was all of that. And I worked through it. But there was some tears shed during that time because mm. how am I going to like this is insane? I didn't do anything. And but they don't care. It is what it is. And it's the right. It's, you know, all I feel like all the things that I went through that were the bad things and the rough things. I love talking about it after I've come through it. Obviously you you never want to talk about it when you're in it because you're too emotional and it's messy and, and, um, and things like it always, even with all my experience, it still happens. You, you think, I, I can't even begin to tell you that I can't believe I'm still stuff happens because humans are all different and people's personalities are all different and situations are all different. So I, I but I love telling the stories because the best teaching are all of those problems that happen and how right. I solve them and what right. I did to fix it and right so I love that and I I think it's so important to always be evolving always learning I'm gonna make mistakes I'm still gonna make mistakes there's things like little things that. You know, will happen in, in while we're planning something, and it's like, gosh, why didn't I think of that? But because I'm just, you know, I can't think of every darn thing, right? Right,
1: right, but right. What
0: I love about my team is I always involve them. I always let them give their opinions. Ooh. If there's a better Ooh. way to do it, if you have better ideas, let's talk about them. Because I've lost a lot of the ideas <laughs> after mm-hmm. my age. Like you start to think, you know, I need, I still need inspiration. I need, and you know, all the generations that are coming up are, you know, my team are pretty young, I would say, Um, but they're all fantastic. And it's really great. So I can't, I agree with, can't agree with you more about, you know, just making, you know, bringing that all together and all of the stuff that happens that goes wrong at some point, you're going to look back and say, okay, I, I, you will get through it. And I'm just so glad I never gave up. Right. Mm -hmm. I just never gave up and I just kept fighting through it. So (laughs) that's the thing that I always teach is just keep going and don't give up.
1: Right. Right. I
0: just want to check the time because I know we have. Okay, good. We have a little bit of time. All right. So um, so all entrepreneurs are struggling. This is going to bring us into this with something. Mm. What's Mm. challenging you right now at the moment? And I think we may have addressed that. Mm. um, But if not, let's talk about it.
1: Yep. So we, we did talk about one thing. And I would say the other thing more from a a good problem, like a proactive sense, the thing that's challenging me, and that is to use another analogy, cause I'm big on those, is that I have to learn how to play the orchestra as that great quote in that Steve Jobs movies go versus playing the instrument. And so I'm used to playing the instrument, being highly skilled at being a guitarist for, 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 um, for example, and being a soloist, But changing over into conducting a symphony, and not only you have to compose the music, right? So you got to write this great piece of music that people are going to see at some point or it's going to be part of a movie soundtrack. So you have to write the music and that, and then you have to conduct it as well. And, oh, okay, this person has a trombone, this person has this. And so when you were talking about you and your team, for instance, I'm like, man, there's so much game that you probably could give give me just about working with other people on that level where you have to delegate, where you have to give tasks out. And, and, and not even just your in-house staff alone, but also referral networks, just people mm-hmm. that don't necessarily fit into your boat, but being able to refer people uh, to other places. Right. I'm now running the community and stuff as well too. And like what that looks like as you find your super users who you want to nominate into like leadership roles because they're already taking that initiative anyway. They're clearly invested in this, they yes. like this, they're all in on this. And so and so again, just being able to work with, okay, this person plays the saxophone, great. And I got my pianist over here. And how do you make a beautiful piece of music yeah. with this and do that over and over and over again? So playing, conducting a symphony versus being a soloist is a huge challenge but it's not impossible because you've done it. So I can always get some game for you. That's part one. And two, <laughs> and two, I would argue that when you're at that threshold, that you have to make that decision anyway to scale because you can't do it all yourself anymore. You can't serve. You can't make the impact that you crave. That's a good problem to have, but we have to And I feel like I've been kind of training at this my whole life with just my keen curiosity, my genuine Mm -hmm. curiosity in people and giving them the floor to tell me about their truths and their own perspectives and now taking that and being able to create new art amongst people, between people and then all of us coming together to present something before an audience is a fascinating challenge and and a huge prism because like you said, humans, we're complex creatures. We all got different desires. What if your soloist and your guitarist don't get along, but you love them both and you don't want to let one go? That's going to happen. You're going to have people that just, that don't gel and you may be the glue between them, but I'm like, I'm already thinking about Annette, like how I'm going to have to deal with those things. How I'm going to have to get two or more people on the same page because we're all making a piece of art together. And we're all in this room and we're gonna make this work. And if you you, you know, this person ain't hitting the right note, you gotta be good at saying, Well, what is where where's is that hang up? And did it right. come from me like the way that I wrote it? Could I have been clearer? Because it's still it it comes from leadership, it comes from the sure. people, the glue it putting up. it all together. Right. You know, you get all the credit when it all works, and then if if it if it doesn't. I really don't necessarily believe in like blaming the person that got it wrong. And if you're the one that can set the tone and could have made that right in the first place. So that's my big challenge. Does that make sense?
0: Totally makes sense. And so it's an example of when I, you know, first started the, you know, running the business and having a team and all of that. And of course, it grows. I got a lot of people that now. But um, and I'm still learning how to manage all that because the bigger it gets, the more I have to realize how to manage it. I'm very lucky I have such a great team and they mm. all seem to love each other and get along. And, um, okay,
1: good, good.
0: So it's really good. But we're not, so we're all virtual. Everybody's okay. virtual you know my okay. whole team is virtual so they're not sitting in an office together all day long and bugging each other <laughs> they're doing all right. Their own things right so they come together they support me they support my company um which is so great and you want to make sure that they have that they're you know in the culture and they are on your side and they're working with you and you know we work together they don't work for me they work with me and so that's mm. a whole Thing. Ooh, and, huge, so,
1: huge delineation there. I must say too. I love yeah. that. I love that you just said that, by the way. Yeah, I, we're,
0: I can't listen. We're all the same. We're all in it together. Um, and I treat, even if it's the guy sweeping the floor, the girl, sweeping the whatever it is, I'll do it myself as well. But um, it's uh, so when I started, I thought, OK, I had a girl that came on and I didn't realize that not everybody. Are there, you know, there's some people who are great with logistics and pulling right. all the logistics together. And there's some people who are great on site. There's some people who can do both. Um, so I I made the mistake and I hired this girl and she just it was, she was overwhelmed. Now I can do it all. I run the business, it's become successful because I am good at doing this. But yeah, you play the orchestra. Not- Yeah, but not everybody has that leadership, that management, that that can multitask like I can, that can, you know, so I realized that not everybody is skilled in all of the areas of event planning. So Mm. I have to, you know, say, okay, what is it that you like to do and which areas are you good at? And so once I changed that, and I also didn't put so many events on one person I really only give one person one or two events to manage because then it doesn't become overwhelming. Then I don't have to worry about them leaving because once I'm invested with them, there's a lot that goes into teaching them the whole culture of the company and all of that. So I try not to overwhelm because it's a lot of work. One event mm-hmm. is a lot of work. And then mm-hmm. to have somebody trying to do three, four, five, mm-hmm. forget it's too much. Mm-hmm. There are people who can do it, but for the major I can do that. But for the majority of people, they can't do it. So mm-hmm. um, it's just not who, the, it's not that they're doing anything wrong. It's just, they're not made up that way. So I, when I learned that and when I changed that up, it made a huge difference. So you kind of really mm. mean one of my friends, Angela Prophet, she does this whole like different color thing. I, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it, but it's all about personalities. And she does this color chart with her okay. people. It's a little woo woo, but honestly, okay. it works for her. Okay.
1: It's okay. just
0: what personality and if, you know, she's like, well, you're a blue and that should be a green person. I'm like, OK, mm. I don't need anything.
1: <laughs>
0: but there are personalities. So I think once I learned what worked in the business and how people worked, it really made a huge difference. So and then sometimes mm. you might have, you know, one person work in logistics and then another person. I like to have the same person working on the whole thing. On site and doing the logistics because they know it all. They they've, they've mm-hmm. been in they've been in the trenches. So mm-hmm. I think it's. Uh, but I I love to delegate. I don't have a problem delegating. If I could delegate every single thing, I would. So if you're a par- person who micromanages, you gotta you gotta work on that right mm-hmm. in order to grow because you can't yeah, yeah. trust that they're gonna be okay. Right.
1: Now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay. Well, that's awesome. So if business is personal, how do you turn it? how do you turn that into a business strategy
1: i think that we you have to you have to get intimate and what i mean by that is just think of one person who you want to leave better than you found them right we we often talk about like our ideal clients or the person that we're in business for like the the perfect person where they find us at the moment that they that we become like a a force in their lives, or what they've done to search for them, like their exact problems up until the point that they interact with Annette for event planning, for instance. What is that ideal person going through, and what does their life look like after that? So a before and after thing. And so we we do that in exercises, just in marketing as a whole. Like think about your ideal profile, right? But if since business is personal, that's why I'm just like you people. Try to delineate between B2C and B2B. And there are many differences, but I always say you're still dealing with decision makers. You're still dealing with people who go to bed at night with certain things on their mind. And so, whether you are working with a Fortune 5000 company and multiple shareholders and you got multiple chains of commands and lots of bureaucracy, or I'm working with you, you the person in that, I try to look at those things through a very, very similar lens and say, I'm trying to convince Annette to take a beneficial action at the end of the day. I'm trying to persuade her in an ethical way to do something that I know she should do. And what, where do I have to find the way into her chapter and where she's at right now with what she's going through to make that make sense to her? And I have to get better at connecting those dots and being the straightest line between two points in time where Annette is, where she's trying to go. And the more that I can do that for people to be that catalyst, but also that through line for them, that tunnel, that wormhole, like then I'm doing something right. So whether you manage a full company or you're a solopreneur, it's kind of the same difference. I'm still dealing with the complexity of a decision maker or multiple ones that are in charge. And if it's multiple people, it's a dance. You're always courting people. You're always convincing them. We're always selling even when we're not trying to. Hey, right. that, I love that lamp in your background. You're like, I got it from cr- Crate and Barrel <laughs> or something. You're selling that brand. We you're do right. it automatically anyway. So it's just like, right. we're always doing it. Anytime you're trying to convince a person to take an idea. So I'll just go intimate in that way and just say one person at a time, Who's who am I trying to leave better than I found them? Get me in touch with that person and I'll handle the rest. And and if it's, again, if it's multiple people, I don't really deal that well with, too much bureaucracy myself. That's why I'm not in a traditional employment situation. Yeah, I agree. But being, <laughs> but being on the outside, being on the outside, you know, you got that flexibility. Like you can get in touch with those people if you need to and just right. say, well, you know, Annette runs this Fortune 500 company. So she's got a gazillion things going on. But how do I tap into what is important to her right now? And it may have nothing to do with what I provide. Right. And, and the moment that I fix that problem for you, I connect you with that person, I'm here to build a landing page for you, but you, you're you having an issue finding someone to fix your roof or something. And I'm like, oh, I do know someone in my community that does construction. I've got a guy. I've, so, I, I know a guy. I know, I a, get guy. Get I know a guy. in contact with them. And then you're like, all right, all right, Darnell, you proved yourself. Like, you, you know, you, what's your five minute elevator pitch and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's different things like that, that you got to learn how to corporate. Right. So that's what, that's how it works. Anyway, it's so
0: awesome. We're coming down here. Only have a few seconds, few minutes here. But can you tell us um, some of your best marketing tips? Give us a few best marketing tips. And then I want you to tell everybody how to get in touch with you Mm -hmm. and uh, how you can help them. Okay?
1: yeah. Best, uh, best marketing tips over the last uh, 15 years. I think I mean, kind of just recapping a little bit of what we talked about here and that intimacy, I feel like is a a really big thing, an underutilized tool of of just trying to focus on changing one person's life versus multiple people or having thousands of people that you're trying to be all different things to, focusing on one people. So um, again, intimacy in that way, storytelling, being a better problem solver, which I always like to say, if you want to have a successful business, the successful businesses are really just great problem solvers. And great problem solver to become that, you have to be a great listener or a great observer of, of who your people are that you're in business for in the first place and almost be pretty much obsessed with solving their problem for them. And when you can do that better than everyone else, when you care more, when you when you genuinely find something to latch on to of saying, man, you know what, even if I don't got it all together right now, I'm still gonna learn what I need to because I really care about this problem and you're obsessed about that, all of those things happen from that breadcrumb trail of being curious enough about who it is you're, you You want, like with you in event planning, like there's something there, there's magic there, and it might be hard to describe, but that makes you a great problem solver all the way through because it means you listen, it means you understand what the market is demanding and how needs have changed and when we had to go virtual for a while and what does in person look like, how does this you're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving your process and probably adapting to like the new realities we find ourselves in. And so that's the big thing is if you can't teach curiosity as well, if you can't teach curiosity, if you can't teach passion, then I always tell people you you have to get out there and experiment a little bit more. And if that's scary for people, that just means having new conversations with people that you don't know. And you will be led towards your own revelations, just by virtue of having conversations with people that you've never met before. Yeah. Um, and just giving them the floor. If you're an introvert, all good. Open up the floor for them. People will talk about themselves, so they will. Yeah. If you give them the floor, they will. So you you don't even gotta do the talking. Yeah. So those are some of the things I would say. Um, in terms of what people can find out more about me, Annette, at darnellbrown.com is a great, great place. We have uh, as well our Forge community, which. Uh, Yeah, that's a topic for a different day. We're out of time for that. But that's also something I'd like to leave people and I know we'll do it in the show notes as well, but they can find out more about that at darnellbrown.com slash forge a new budding uh, digital ecosystem for purpose driven creative entrepreneurs, where we are all learning, bonding and growing, because we want to make an impact, but we need to challenge ourselves. And we definitely need to be acting on our ideas. So this is a place for us to do all of that and me to challenge myself as well. Flat organization, by the way, similar to what you're doing. I'm not better than anyone. I'm not smarter than them. I'm not more talented. I got as much to learn from people in that community as they do from me. It's an ecosystem. And that's what that means. So...
0: I love it. I love it. I love you. You're fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for holding down the fort when we lost to (laughs) the (laughs)
1: electricity. Yeah, it was just it was a commercial break. Y'all, it was a commercial break. Y'all just didn't know about that. It was a commercial break.
0: (laughs) Well, you did a great job. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining us. We'll be back soon. Have a fantastic day. Bye everyone. If you're a wedding or event planner looking to level up your skills and network with like-minded professionals, I have a special invitation for you. Join us over in my Facebook group, Event Planner Society, where driven, creative, and passionate planners from around the world come together to connect, gain referrals, improve their mindset, and build successful businesses. As a member, you'll also get access to unbelievable free training from me. So don't miss out on this fantastic opportunity to elevate your event planning game. Go to Event Planner Society, drop me a note, and let me know when you joined. I can't wait to welcome you into this thriving community. Remember, the future is full of endless possibilities. Stay positive, stay focused, and keep spinning those events into success. We will see you next week.